It's game day. <laughs> Today I'm going over five things that I'm going to be looking for in the preseason game tonight against the Chiefs, as well as a slight update on memorabilia. Stick around. Lombardi Time Brew starts right now. Welcome to Lombardi Time Brews. I am your host, John Delray. Today, as I said in the intro, we're going over five things that I'm going to be looking for in the preseason game, as well as an update on a couple pieces of memorabilia that you may be interested in at least learning about. So before we get started, I do have a couple things today. One, if you're looking on YouTube, you may notice my mic looks a little bit different. I noticed in listening to the last couple of days that there's a number of pops. You can hear me breathing too much, probably like right there. Um, so just trying a couple different things, seeing if we can improve the audio a little bit. If you ever hear something that you think can help or whatever, feel free to shoot me a message on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, at John Delray, uh, and we can discuss there. Hopefully just looking to make a better product for a better community. So beyond that, today you may hear, and I must apologize for this, I must beg your forgiveness, but you may hear a couple ringtones go off. I do have a couple things going on on the personal side today that don't allow me to 100% completely unplug. So if some of those make its way through while I'm talking here, please know I am sorry for that. It should just be a one-day thing. Hopefully, uh, just sometimes life gets in the way. So, starting off with the five things now that I'm looking for in the preseason game against the Chiefs tonight. Number one is the secondary. Micah Abernathy. What a dude. Is he going to make this roster? I'm basically just looking for, is he going to continue making plays tonight? He is PFF's second highest rated Packer thus far in the preseason, happening to be number two on the overall roster, number one on the defense. If that guy can keep making plays, I don't see there's any way that they can't include him on the roster. I mean, he's going to have to be there, especially with how perilously thin they are at safety. So another game from him tonight could really seal the deal. Other than that, I'm looking at two cornerbacks in the secondary. The two top competitors in my mind for the number six cornerback spot. First, you have Keandre Thomas, who has played remarkably well through two preseason games. And then second, you have Rico Gafford. Gafford is still my prediction to make the roster, ultimately because I believe the tools and special teams capabilities are there. But when I was diving farther into the numbers, I did see a couple things that at least made me rethink Thomas. According to PFF right now, Thomas is the second highest rated defensive player through the preseason. He's logged 81 defensive snaps and he has a PFF grade of 78.8. Now again, PFF is not the end-all be-all, nor should it be treated like that. However, I would say that it at least provides some context, some rankings, to see how players are doing. And a 78.8, regardless of how you feel about PFF, is a pretty good number. Um, and he's also logged 18 special team snaps. So if Gafford is going to make it on special teams alone, Thomas is showing that he can do it too. Comp that against Gafford. Gafford has logged 59 defensive snaps. 
13 special team snaps, and a PFF grade of 49.3. Seemingly where Gafford has struggled has been in coverage, but Gafford's snaps are also coming earlier in the game than a lot of Keandre Thomas's snaps have been happening. Gafford seems to be running almost always with the twos, Thomas almost always with the threes. Is that telling? Maybe, maybe not. But I'm going to be keeping an eye on these two tonight to see if one can clearly come out on top. Again, my verdict still goes to Gafford. Number two thing that I'm really looking at in the preseason game against the Chiefs tonight, the offensive line. Specifically right guard, where you have this baffling three-person competition going on. Jake Hansen still seems to be running with the ones a lot. And then you've got Royce Newman. You also have Zach Tom, the apple of Packer Twitter's eye right now, Zach Tom. Zach Tom thus far has the highest PFF grade on the Packers roster in totality. The single highest graded player through two games is Zach Tom. In fact, he has logged 40 pass blocking snaps and not allowed a single pressure all preseason long thus far. To comp that against Jake Hansen and Royce Newman, both of their PFF grades sit right around 70. For context, Tom's is 87.3, which is real good. Real good. Uh, just to give you an idea on PFF scoring metrics, Rashawn Gary was the fifth best edge player last year, and his grade came in at 89. If Zach Tom is a rookie, can score anything close to 87 with any type of regularity, you'd be looking at a Pro Bowl offensive lineman as a rookie. So, Zach Tom has been incredibly impressive, incredibly instinctual on the offensive line. And, you know, his versatility already, he's showing he is like an Elton Jenkins Jr. Instinctual, can just play anyway. The guy just plays O-line. Doesn't really matter where. He has been getting most of his time at tackle. I gotta believe, though, if that can translate into guard... I'm going to be having a hard time being convinced that he's not the best option at right guard to start week one. I've also noticed uh, uh, Peter Bukowski today on Twitter floated the idea that perhaps Royce Newman should be some trade bait. The Packers right now, if you factor in Newman, have nine locked-in offensive linemen like I talked about earlier in the week. Well, Caleb Jones has been quickly emerging and has all the potential in the world. Do you want to risk Caleb Jones going onto your practice squad? Do you need to find space for a 10th offensive lineman? Or do you get rid of one of those nine that are considered locks? And if you can do so through trade, maybe it can benefit everybody. But the concern, obviously, depth, your depth on the offensive line. It is a very deep group with a lot of inexperience down in the depths, including Sean Ryan, whose preseason has been less than stellar it's been quiet so do you enter trade entertain a trade for royce newman dallas may be interested with their left tackle going down with a very i read about that injury last night a little bit the the, the torn hamstring off the base of the knee that's brutal might they be interested in increasing their depth Teams all over the league are looking for depth. Could Royce Newman be an answer? Or do the Packers like him enough to hang on and risk losing Caleb Jones or cut somewhere else short to keep 10 offensive linemen? Or is there someone we're just completely missing that may not make it? Either way, right guard, 
Jake Hansen, I'm willing to bet, is going to get the start tonight. That's how they've been trending. Royce Newman very well could get the start at right tackle. When it comes to week one, if Tom is not in consideration, will it be Newman or Hansen? Gotta believe the nod there is going to go to Newman. So lots of things to sort out at that right guard, right tackle spot. Obviously, a lot of it dependent for week one on Elton Jenkins' health. You gotta think he's going to be good for week one now. So it really all comes down to right guard. And we'll see. Tonight could help to sort it out. Hoping for another impressive performance from Zach Tom tonight. Number three, the running backs. I love me some Tyler Goodson. I have made no bones about that on Twitter. His burst is incredible. I love his pass catching ability. I have called for and I have stumped all along for there to be four running backs kept on this roster. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Patrick Taylor, and Tyler Goodson. And I want Taylor to be Dillon's backup and Goodson to be Jones's backup. And then Packer Twitter broke out in this max discussion this week about how there should only be two running backs kept on the roster. Now, this is pure roster gimmicks. They would never go into a game with only two running backs. But still, still, I just don't see it this year. I just don't. In the three years prior that Matt LaFleur has been coached, there's been one year where they've kept four running backs, two where they've kept three. The last time where they tried this gimmick where they only kept two was in 2018. I just don't see it working this year. LaFleur needs a running back three that he can trust. I want them to keep four, but he has admitted fully before that he needs three that he can trust. So if your coach says, I need three running backs I can trust, and you're sitting there with Tyler Goodson, Patrick Taylor, and Dexter Williams, who they seem to really like since they brought him back, do you cut all three of them? Get two of them back on your practice squad, maybe all three since the practice squad of 16 players now. And then until Kylan Hill is healthy, use practice squad call-ups. I mean, there's a lot of things to factor in here. One, Tyler Goodson, is he going to get picked up to go on another practice squad? Would he get picked up to be on a waiver, uh, a waiver claim to make somebody's roster? Patrick Taylor, who's been on the Pactors practice squad before, is he eventually going to read the writing on the wall and say, I got to go. I got to go somewhere else for another opportunity. Players have choice. And when you're looking at roster building, it's not just as simple to say, well, we're going to cut him and we're going to put him on the practice squad. Patrick Taylor may get eight different places that he's offered to go to the practice squad. And if you continue to cut him and put him on the squad, who's to say he's actually going to stick around? So Tyler Goodson, let's say he hypothetically, he gets claimed. Patrick Taylor hypothetically says, I'm going to go somewhere else. And if both of those scenarios occur, what do you do? You're going to rely on Dexter Williams to be your RB3 after a, for a month, at least? Kylan Hill, at a minimum, can't come back until week five. I think it's way too much of a gamble to just keep two running backs. I think you're better off playing that gamble at somewhere like defensive line. If in terms of roster construction, you want to have six defensive linemen, look, you've got five locks, right? You've got TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, Kenny Clark, Jerron Reed, Dean Lowry. Those are your five. But in terms of roster construction, if you want a sixth, you're looking at probably keeping Chris Slayton 
or Jack Heflin. Heflin was already on your practice squad for a time last year. He was on your 53 for Port of the Year as well. Chris Slayton, most people thought in was just going to be a camp body. I would feel much better about the ability to sneak one of the two of them onto your practice squad, use them for call-ups so you've got a 60 lineman, than I would trying it with Tyler Goodson or Patrick Taylor. If you're going to apply the logic of two running backs to this year's roster, you could have applied it last year when you hit Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. If you were willing to do this kind of trickery, you could have cut Kylan Hill last year, hope to retain him on the practice squad, and then elevate him later. You could have done the same thing uh, three years ago before A.J. Dillon was here, when they kept Dexter Williams as their number three behind Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. They could have let Dexter Williams go. And, and as I've seen thrown about on Twitter a ton over the last two days, well, Running backs that far down the depth chart, they're easily replaceable. There's tons of them. Just go get one. What happens if you lose them all? Go get one. B.J. Baylor, I mean, he knows your system. He was here for a bit. Go get him back. Even though you cut him two weeks ago already. I'm just not seeing it. And I could be dead wrong on this. Could be. But I just don't see it. To me, keeping two running backs is just wishing for trouble. It's overplaying your hand. Keep three at least. You're going to be a run-heavy team. We've talked about each running back getting 50 catches this year. You're going to want them to catch the ball too. Tyler Goodson's good at that. Don't keep two. Hey, to me, it's a gamble. And one that your offense is in too perilous of a position to take. I'd rather do it with D-line. That takes us to number four, the edge spot. I talked in my defensive roster projections about how there is really outside linebacker. You know, you've got the rookie Engabare, but then other than that, uh, Tipa, Garvin, Ladarius, Hamilton, Kobe Jones, they all have had flashes. They all have done nice things, but no one has truly taken control of a roster spot. Engabare has probably looked the flashiest of the bunch of them. Ladarius Hamilton is the highest graded on PFF of the lot. But you've got four guys going tonight that realistically are competing for two roster spots. I'm going to be watching them closely. Tipa especially, one thing as I was looking over PFF grades, just seemed bizarre. Last year what he seemed to excel in with PFF was his coverage grade. This year in preseason, it is abysmal. I don't know what changed. But you've got four outside linebackers realistically competing for two spots. If none of them can make any headway at all, or they continue the status quo when we see what they are, then maybe we reference yesterday's video and the Packers think about uh, bringing in Jeremiah Atachu or, you know, if they can afford a Jason Pierre-Paul. The backups at edge... It's thin. Maybe tonight one of the four, hopefully two of the four, can really take the reins, take control of a job, and make us all a little less concerned about this edge depth. 
brings me to number five. The position of very good and confusing depth wide receiver. Everyone came into this offseason saying, we don't have any. And now there's people who want to keep eight. I don't see that happening, but I do think they're going to keep seven. Juwan Winfrey with another showing tonight can absolutely lock down his roster spot, in my opinion. Samari Toure, I think, has done some nice things, but I think he's got practice squad written all over him. Christian Watson, if that knee's good enough, we should find out soon. Is he going to make his debut tonight? Hope so. I would love to watch that. I want to see him go. Romeo Dobbs, <laughs> the hype man himself who's also struggling with some drops, some contested catches. Is he going to remain on that same line tonight? Are we going to see some things cleaned up, or are we going to see those rookie inconsistencies flash even more? We'll find out. Tonight should be a lot of fun. I am really looking forward to it. Last preseason game. Let's get weird. <laughs> Let's have some fun. I think it's going to be a good time. I really hope you enjoy the game tonight as well. Let's talk memorabilia. That's right. Lombardi's Time Brews is not just about the stuff that you see on the field. Occasionally, we're going to touch on the stuff you can get off the field that helps you display your fanhood. And I'm not going to dive into this too much today, but ultimately there were three new products that I wanted to give you a heads up about. Hmm. Two products and then one incredibly unique, rare historical item that you may want to know about if you have the assets to maybe do something about it. So first up, uh, this is gonna be very, very low res, but I do wanna show this to you. So the Bradford Exchange sent this out. Um, if this is your kind of thing, by all means, go for it. Never been my kind of thing, but by all means. So I'm just gonna hold it up to the camera, show it to you. Bam, they're doing trains now. So Bradford Exchange, it says that it's fully illuminated. Uh, it is licensed. It has the player images on the side. For instance, there's Rogers here in two little spots. Um, full cost, ultimately, I believe I saw on here. Yes, $89.99 total. That's what I thought I saw, plus $14 shipping. So it includes with it three different cars, I guess you would call them for the trains. And then it includes also tracks the remote etc um <clears throat> again if this is your kind of deal go nuts um <clears throat> excuse me it does say that it's going to go quick so um by all means head to bradfordexchange.com and then it says slash packer exp so if that's your deal go right ahead have fun i'm not a train guy myself but 89 bucks it's right there Number two, I'm gonna put an image of this over the video so that you can see what I'm talking about. If you're just on the audio podcast, I'm very sorry for this portion. Um, but ultimately, FOCO just dropped this morning a new bobblehead for the Packers. And this is Christian Watson's first bobblehead. Um, it's limited to only 72. It says, welcome to the gridiron on it. It's part of their first run of rookies, but limited to only 72. That is one of the lowest count FOCO releases for a bobblehead I've ever seen. Uh, it's priced at $70. I would imagine, given the hype around Watson, 
given the fact that it's only numbered to 72, that this is going to go quickly. So if you have any interest in a Christian Watson bobblehead, all you do, just head to foco.com. They are, they're not exclusive, but they are certainly the largest company that does releases, non, non-pro shop releases, I guess you could say, of bobbleheads. The Packer Pro Shop obviously has their own line and they're exclusive to the pro shop, but Foco does the entire NFL. It does a bunch of different sports. Foco.com is the place that you want to go for these bobbleheads. Again, Christian Watson, $70, only $72 being made. And then the last thing that I wanted to tell you about is over at Heritage Auction House right now, there is just an absolute wealth of items from Dave Robinson, NFL Hall of Famer, Packer Hall of Famer, absolute Packer legend, Dave Robinson. And if you've never had the opportunity to meet him, and you do, I would fully encourage you. I've had the chance to meet Mr. Robinson twice. He is incredibly kind, not only in terms of autograph pricing, is he very affordable, he's also very giving with his time. He takes pictures with people. Uh, I've had one instance with him where I was able to sit with him for 20 minutes and just talk about the ice bowl. Uh, an incredibly kind human being, a litany of his items right now up on Heritage Auction House, including his Super Bowl one ring, his Super Bowl two ring, a number of personal plaques, a number of personal awards, his Packer Hall of Fame ring, the ladies ring that was given for the Super Bowls for the player wives. Uh, really remarkable stuff. I'll post a link in the YouTube channel um, and in all the descriptions on the audio podcasts. But from nothing, nothing but a historical viewpoint, go on, check it out. It It's amazing to see this stuff. Stuff like this never comes up. And what's there is truly truly remarkable heritage oxen house go check it out from a pure history standpoint you're not gonna regret it so um in terms of memorabilia we are going to be touching on this we'll be touching in on an, an increasing amount as the season goes on uh right now there's just so much to talk about with the preseason roster cutdowns. we've got a game tonight obviously uh, but memorabilia we're going to be talking about in season. I'm going to have some special guests dedicated just to discussions of memorabilia that I think you're really going to enjoy uh, so that we can all fawn over the stuff that we either can't get, can't afford. Uh, we can all do it together. So um, make sure that you're checking out Lombardi Time Brews every single day. Thanks for checking out today's episode. Hit subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends. Let's build a brand new Packer community together. Thanks so much for tuning in. I will see you tomorrow with a reaction to the Chiefs-Packers game that's occurring later tonight. Have an absolutely fantastic day. Go Pack Go!